0: God's word for us this morning from Acts chapter 8, uh, verses 25 through 40. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her, tre- her treasure Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord, friends. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we are here for you. Nothing else will do today, Lord God. Holy Spirit, set our hearts on fire. Come have your way in us and through us this day. Jesus, we know that you are alive and we know that your work in us is not finished. And so we ask freshly, come. We need a move. Come settle upon us, Lord Break into those places in our hearts and lives that are called mountains, things that are immovable, places that we didn't think could change, things about us that we wish could be different but believe cannot be, the things about us that we don't think need to be different but absolutely need to be. Break in, move mountains. Part the sea, Lord God. Raise the dead, Lord God. Have your way and be glorified in our midst. Jesus, I believe you are going to move today that you already are, and so we simply give you our yes. Yes, Lord Jesus. have your way. Transform us from the inside out and make us like yourself. For your glory, we pray these things in your matchless name. Amen and amen. You may be seated So, who can tell me what this is? It's glue. What happens when you mix glue with borax? What do you get? Yes. Slime. Slime. Disgusting slime, which my daughter absolutely loves. It's actually fun to play with slime for a bit, but then your hands get all weird, but anyway. Slime. Who knows why it changes into slime? I'm going to give you a little chemistry lesson today. You ready? This is free. This is free. So, here we go. Borax is called an activator. What is an activator? An activator changes the position of the molecules in the glue through cross-linking, of course. (laughs) What's cross-linking? Cross-linking is when two molecules connect through a covalent bond, obviously. Right? What's a covalent bond? Thank you. What's a covalent bond is when an electron pair from one atom is shared with another. Huh. (laughs) Let me summarize this for you. The activator sacrifices part of itself to unite itself with the other molecule in order to transform that molecule into something completely new. Does that sound like anyone to you? It should. Because the maker of all things has made things like slime, even to sing his glory, Amen. to give us a window into who he is and what he's about. And friends, today is all about this kind of activation, because the question for us to wrestle with is simply this, have you actually been transformed? Do you even want to be? Are you ready to be transformed today? Can I invite you to ask him to do so? This is a participatory thing we do here called worship. You're not here to receive the words coming out of my mouth that I'm, sim- that I'm receiving from him. That's not the only thing you're called to do. You're called to interact with a living God. Amen. Are you ready to be transformed? If so, can I encourage you just right now even to whisper, Lord Jesus, please transform me. Lord Jesus, please transform me. That's not an unsafe prayer to ask, but let me, let me encourage you to realize that means change wholeness in a very different way and that's what God's all about in fact it's it's what we've always wanted but been afraid to ask what we tend to do in our lives is is not transformation it's just mixing we get we make our lives like a big mixing bowl and when things feel like they're too sweet we add a little salt and when things feel like they're too bitter we add a little sugar we make it sweeter we mix it all together but that doesn't actually change us it just flavors us and then we wonder why nothing's different Are you new, friends? Do you know what it's like to be not less than yourself? I hope you didn't miss that. The glue is not less glue, it's more than glue. It's it's not less than you, it's more than you, and you're more whole and more sticky in this particular case, right? Maybe not in your case, but when it comes to slime, you sure are. Have you experienced transformation? Because transformation, friends, requires the right activator. And nothing less than Jesus will do. That's where we're going this morning as we continue in our sermon series. Where we're unpacking the book of Acts and we're seeing this this unfolding story of Jesus and what he's accomplished on the cross actually being applied to this thing called the church. And we're seeing this mission of God spread throughout all different people groups that no one thought was going to ever happen or be possible. And Jesus is the one who says, nothing is impossible for me. And therefore, when you abide in me, nothing is impossible for you. Where's your mountain? Where's your impossible today? Do you know it? Is it in the forefront of your mind? Ask him to show you if not, because it's right there that he wants to move today. Our theme is simply this, transformation requires the right activator. We're going to look at three points, the wrong activator, activation accomplished, and the joy of transformation. So first point, the wrong activator. As a a little bit of an intro here, what we see as our passage begins is that Philip is a guy who has experienced transformation and is experiencing transformation. You're not a a finished product in Jesus' economy until you're what? Dead. Dead. Right, So anyone wants to tell you that they've arrived, they're lying to you. You already knew that, but they're lying to you. No one arrives until we are face-to-face, in person, with Jesus in heaven. That's when we're done. But Philip has made some huge strides. God, probably better to put it this way, God has made some pretty huge strides in Philip. And Philip just keeps giving him his yes. And so you see, our passage begins with Philip hearing from the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit said to him, Go, go walk down this road. He didn't say why. He didn't say what he was going to do. He just go go walk down this road. So that's discernment. You're hearing the voice of God. Faith is obeying. Faith is taking the risk to step out by faith and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you that something's going to happen here even when I can't see it. You know what too often times we do in our lives? We say, I think I hear you, Lord, so now show me what that means. prove yourself to me and then I'll obey. And God says, that's not how this works. God wants to grow our faith in him. Because he's God. And so often we interact with him as though he's not good. And he is so much better than our definition of good, friends. He knows. This reminds me of the story of Abraham. When God calls Abraham the father of of, of Israel, right? The the, the patriarch. He calls Abraham to leave his father's country and his family behind. He says, get on your donkey and go. Go. He doesn't say, now, this is where I'm going to take you, and this is what this is going to look like. And Get on your donkey and go, and I will direct you. What? Yeah. Because I am who I say I am, and now you are who I say you are. Will you trust and obey? One of my mentors, Rob Reamer, tells this story in one of his books where he says he developed, as he was doing a lot of deliverance work, this sensitivity when there was a particular kind of demonic oppression. And that particular kind of demonic oppression was when children were abused by their own dads sexually. And he said he would get sick to his stomach and at the very same time have an overwhelming sense of the love of God. And it happened again and again and again to the point where he no longer needed to ask people if they had been molested by their father. He knew. You think, well, why does that matter? Is that some sort of spiritual, like, superpower he puts on his cape and now he knows? No, please never miss the heart of our father. When you've been abused by your dad and that's the clearest window you have into who you think God is, you think God didn't see, you think God didn't care, and then you show up and God speaks through another father figure that he saw and knows and he's for you. It undermines the trap that the enemy has had you in your whole life. He does see me. He does know me. He does want to set me free, beloved. That's your story too. That's our God. That's what He's about. This past week, I shared with you some uh, struggles that I was going through, and I can't necessarily get into the details, but I want to tell you this. As I prayed for what was going on in the the life of a particular loved one of mine, I received a vision that was absolutely wild, super dangerous. There was immediate harm being portrayed in this vision. And I thought to myself, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? Like, what if I'm wrong? What, What if I say something and I'm wrong? And God said, well, what if you're right? so I reached out to that loved one and I said, this is what I saw. I, I, want, I think you're in danger. I want you to act on it. I want you to take these steps. And can I tell you that when that loved one took those steps, the person that was going to be the one causing the danger was taken away by the authorities immediately because of what they found when they went to his room. What if I don't say something? Could you imagine if I didn't? Discernment is learning to hear the voice of God, and we're not always going to get it right. He's God, we're not. He's perfect, we're not. But when we hear something, it's taking a step of faith and saying, Lord, show yourself. You're in charge, show yourself. And that's what he did. And hallelujah that he did, amen? So, we come upon this main character in this little pericope, this little story that we're looking at, the Ethiopian eunuch. Let me explain to you a little bit about what eunuch means, right? For those of you who don't know, this is a castrated male, right? This is someone who cannot have children, and please hear this. When one nation would take over another, there would oftentimes be those who would forcibly turned into eunuchs so they could serve in the court of the king and queen. When you think about um, Babylon coming in and taking over Israel and you have guys like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were most likely forced to become eunuchs. Right? When there were eunuchs in their own country, however, sometimes they were forcibly made into eunuchs. Other times they did it by choice. Why would someone choose to become a eunuch? You would choose to become a eunuch because of what that promised you. In particular, it promised you access to royalty. It promised you elevation in your social status. It promised you perhaps hope out of your economic woes. But ultimately, it was a promise that it couldn't keep. Because while it allowed you to get close to royalty, You were only ever a servant. You were never royalty. In fact, the very act of becoming a eunuch guaranteed that you never would be. Because if there's one thing that you need when you're royalty, it's an heir. Do you see the trap that choosing to become a eunuch was causing for this guy in his life? I hope so, because this is a trap that is all over our culture. It's a trap of the wrong activator, if you will. It's saying, if I add this to my life, or in the eunuch's case, take this off of my body, that is going to give me something that I think I need. It's going to transform me into the whole person that I think I want and need to be. Please don't miss this, friends. We do it all the time when it comes to our money. What do we do? We sacrifice and mutilate ourselves maybe not physically mutilate but in our hearts and our bodies we die younger when we overwork and overstress they have that connection it's pretty clear that when we're when we're super stressed heart disease goes up right you're like oh well that's an easy one really Because the promise of money is that you're going to live a nice, long, happy retirement. But if you're sacrificing yourself your entire young years so that you can have a nice, long retirement, has that enabled a long retirement or actually stolen it from you? Do you see? Do you see the trap? It makes a promise and then gives you the exact opposite. What about when it comes to social media? How many followers? I want to be a social media influencer. Really? Have you you read any of the stories of their lives? And how many of them keep getting killed because of stalkers? That's the life you want? What drives the desire to be a social media influencer? I want popularity. I want to be known. I want to be celebrated. And yet, the more you interact with people on the platforms of social media, guess what you never actually are? Known. Loved. Appreciated. Those things undermine that because you always have to be the best version of yourself and you can never actually show what's underneath because if you do, you'll get canceled just as fast as you rose to the top. Do you see the trap? I hope so. We see it all over our world, friends, when it comes to power as an activator. I'm not going to show you any gruesome pictures of the people coming out of Ukraine, but I could. Bodies mutilated, families torn apart, all because a particular dictator decided he's going to use power to activate this transformation of him that exalts him as supreme leader. And guess what it's actually done in his world, in his country, and in the eyes of the entire world. It's destroyed him. It's trapped him in this unwinnable war. No matter what happens, he will always be the villain. Don't you see it? What about when it comes to sex as an activator? You're like, what is that picture? Well, that's a picture of someone in India who belongs to a tribe of an Islam where they practice female genital mutilation. What is that? It's when, please hear this, oftentimes, most of the time, women take seven year old girls and cut their clitoris to shreds. Now, listen, if that's making you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. But I want you to know I'm not doing this for shock value, this happens in our world. And here's the reasoning, don't miss this. The reasoning is simple, because if you can take away that feeling spot, then they'll be more faithful to their husbands when they get older. What? This is the activator for fidelity in marriage? Mutilate the body so that you change the heart? What? If anything, all it does is make you more and more of the very monster and have more and more of the very relationship with the wife that you choose for yourself that you don't actually want. You don't want just a wife who doesn't cheat on you. You want a bride who loves you and adores you and trusts you and with whom you can share some of the sweetest and most passionate moments of life. And yet living like this sort of sexual violence is the right activator for transformation only ever traps you in the very existence you don't want. Now, if you're following along, you've already guessed where we're going this morning. Because we look at this and we shake our heads, and we say, that's horrible. What kind of culture would do that? Do you know the answer to that question? Our culture would do that. When we say to our teens and our preteens now, if you feel confused on the inside, if there's something wrong on the inside of you that you feel like isn't able to be satisfied with the body you have, here's here's the solution. Mutilate yourself. Cut off your body parts. Become the other gender and live into that. This is Chloe Cole. This was who she was when she decided at 12 years old that she, she called herself a tomboy. She said, I always grew up as a tomboy, but I didn't know what to do with that until I got on Instagram and I started to research things like the trans community and all of a sudden, my Instagram feed was just full of that sort of stuff, encouraging me down this direction. At 12 years old, she started to take hormone blockers. At 16, she had a double mastectomy. Mutilation. She now stands as a very vocal person, speaking out against that lie, saying out loud for the world to hear in an ever-growing number, Please, You don't need to take my word for it. Go do some research. The number of teenagers and young adults who are coming out and saying, I've been duped. I've been tricked. I was told that if I make this change, it's going to change something inside of me. That if I change the outside, it's going to change the inside. It doesn't do that. That's not how this works. And Chloe's the first one to tell you that even when she got rid of some stuff on the outside, and tried to change the hormones on the inside, she was never, ever going to actually be able to be the boy she wanted to be. None of her chromosomes were going to change. She was never going to have boy body parts that worked. It's a trap, and it's a trap that you cannot come back from after you've done the mutilation. Why are we talking about this here? Because some of you right now are tempted to stop listening or to get up and leave because your anger angry. You think I'm saying something against your friends or maybe against you. And if that's you, can I encourage you to please keep listening? Because this is not anti-anything other than the lie. When our culture says this, you dare not, you must not, you can never say anything against this value that we have. That's fascism, that's Nazism, that's dictatorism, if that's even a word. Dictatorship, right? Is that the world that we wanna live in? Or if there actually is deception that's hurting lots and lots of kids, how do we dare not say something? How do we dare not say something? When God puts a passage like this in front of us that is so clearly screaming from the rooftops, this has always been an issue and it's never worked. Johns Hopkins one of the leading research facilities in the world for decades would not do what at the time they called sex change operations. Do you know why? Because they're the only place that has done long-term studies on whether or not after getting these transformations, they actually work in changing your heart. And you know what they found? The exact opposite. Statistically speaking, it's, it's the same, but you can see the level go up in the rates of suicide which are more than double the regular population of folks before and then after. It doesn't work. It's the wrong activator. But please keep listening, friends, because there is a right activator. And there are some of us in this room, and some of us who have friends from, from, from people in this room, that need to know that there's a better direction But what they need to know first is that they're loved, just as they are, that there's hope just where they are, are. and that's where we're going. But not before. I point out the other obvious thing in our text this morning. The other obvious activator that doesn't work is religion. This eunuch was trying to go and do religious stuff. Not to say that his heart was bad in doing it, but he was pursuing God through religious activity. Religious activity that would never actually change the inside of who he was, which is the message God was telling his people from the beginning, and they missed. We missed, and we missed all the time. How do I know that? Well, look at the temple. The temple was full of what? Walls. Walls. You couldn't enter the temple until you bathed and cleansed yourself and and you did all sorts of sacrificial things to say, okay, I realize I'm messed up. But even when you did that, if you were a Gentile, you could go no further. And then if you're a woman, you could go no further. And then if you're just a man, you could go no further. And then if you're a priest, you could go no further. All these walls where God was communicating something very clearly, there's something broken in you, Just just not on the outside, You can't just go through motions to fix it. There's something broken in you. You need a better activator. And that, friends, is who Jesus is. Our second point, activation accomplished, you see again here um, in verse 29, the spirit again speaks to Philip, and Philip again takes the risk to listen, and he gets up, he goes up to the eunuch who's in his chariot, he sees him reading from Isaiah, he says, what are you reading, do you understand? He says, well, how can I understand unless someone tells me, right? And it's beautiful because Romans 10, 17 is that exact verse. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. That word, word, is not written word. It's not logos. It's rhema. Faith comes from, by hearing, and hearing by the spoken word of Jesus. Now listen, I'm not undermining the authority of Scripture in saying that. I'm simply saying this. God uses relationships. He wants us to be those who speak the truth that we've hidden in our hearts to one another. And when that happens, mountains move. Notice the timing of when God sends Philip to this Ethiopian eunuch's chariot. He's reading from Isaiah 53. Beloveds, there is no chapter in the Bible, in my opinion, that more clearly sings of who the Messiah was going to come to be than Isaiah 53. If you've not read it, can I encourage you to do it today? Isaiah 53 is all about a suffering servant who knows injustice. Do you think that said something to this eunuch's heart who found himself trapped and then kept getting slapped in the face when he's trying to make things better and he simply can't? Does anyone in here know about that? Know what that feels like? When you feel trapped and the injustice just keeps piling on and you can't seem to get the ship straight, Jesus knows all about it. Jesus knows all about it. Jesus knows all about what it means to suffer in silence. Some of you have done that for years and you wonder, does anyone get me? Jesus says, here I am, do you see me? I get you more than you get you. I know what it is to keep my mouth closed when everything said against me was wrong. Most of the time it's a mixed bag when it comes to us, isn't it? What about the cultural rejection? Jesus knew all about that too. They didn't want him. They don't want th- He's not our king. He's abandoned, God. Don't even call him a Jew. And what about senseless mutilation? Do you know what it is to get flogged in the ancient world if you've ever seen the movie um, The, the passion of the christ that almost gets it it almost gets it flogging was designed to kill you by removing the muscles from your back so that you could no longer breathe which is precisely what killed jesus on the cross senseless bodily mutilation At every point, all of the things that this eunuch would have been struggling with, Jesus said, I get you. I've suffered that. And if that's all Jesus said, then he'd be very empathetic, right? But friends, that's not just what Jesus did or just who Jesus was. Jesus didn't suffer those things on his own behalf. He suffered them for us. Surely he has carried Our sorrows, surely he has carried our shame, our burdens, all of the iniquity we've ever done was cast upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The good news of the gospel, friends, is not just that we have a God who gets us, but that we have got a God who's done something about it to set us free, who sees us even at our worst moments. Could you imagine what this eunuch must have been feeling when when he has tasted the bitterness of the trap that he's been living in as a eunuch? And then he's like, I want to go worship Yahweh, the God of Israel. And he can't even get in the front door. And now he's riding back, and clearly he's a man of wealth because he has his own scroll. And he's trying to read Isaiah, and he can't understand it. How many things are in the way? How many testimonies of you're not worth it? No one sees you. God doesn't care about you. Is this guy going to get? And then God sends Philip to speak a word of truth and life. He says he started with Isaiah 53 and then from there went all over the place. But I got to tell you, I believe he landed here. Just three chapters later when the prophet Isaiah says this, let not the foreigner, remember, The eunuch is a foreigner. He's from Ethiopia. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs. You ready for it? Could you imagine what he's feeling at this moment? When when Philip is quoting these passages to him, he's thinking, wait, what does God say to the eunuch based on Isaiah 53, just three chapters before? What's the hope for me? Are you listening? Here's your hope, friends. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name. Better than sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Amen. Amen. Do you think that meant something to the eunuch who's walking around with shame because something was cut off? And who realized that he himself was cut off, but by the grace of God. I can see it in you, friends. Many of you know exactly what we're talking about here. If it's not for God's grace, I have no hope. If it's not for God's grace, I can't change. If it's not for God's grace, I would, I would think that nobody sees me or sees my friend. I hope you hear today that God not only sees you and your friend, but has done something about it. He's felt your pain. He's experienced your burden. He knows the shame. And he's the one who's taking it from you to give you a much better ending to your story. If you are struggling on the inside, we're going to have an opportunity in a few minutes for for there to be prayer. Can I encourage you not to leave this place, especially if you're angry? Because you know what anger is? Anger is our attempt to control something we cannot control. And if you're upset because, oh my gosh, the things that this guy said are transphobic, if that word entered your mind, Can I encourage you to realize you've been drinking the Kool Aid? To not be able to criticize something that is so anti God and hurting kids is fear driven, but it's not my fear. It's the fear that our culture says if you don't make it all about you, you're going to lose. What you feel is right because you feel it. Friends, that's a trap from the pit of hell. You're loved because of who God is. You're beautiful because of who God is. You are set free because of who God is. And God is the one who wants to say to you and to our world, even this day, there's a better way. There's a better way a way that does not include mutilating yourself. For remember that covalent bond thing? God is the one who sacrificed part of himself. He doesn't ask you. So that he could unite himself to you to make you a completely new creation. Jesus, friends, is our activator. 2 Corinthians 5.17, memorize this verse. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a New. new creation. Do you hear it? Only God can do for you what you're trying to do for yourself but never will. You can work out all day long. You can get all the plastic surgery you want. You can do lots of things, get lots of money, buy lots of houses. All these wrong activators to change on the inside what only Jesus can change. He is the suffering servant. He's the savior of eunuchs. He's the friend of sinners. And he's called you here for this reason, friends, this morning, to challenge that one place in you that you think cannot change. If you'll only let him, he alone can do it. The best question in our passage for this morning the best question was when the eunuch saw the water and he says, what now prevents me? He says, from being baptized. But let's just stop right there. This eunuch who's done all the things that he shouldn't do- have done. He's chased all the wrong activators. He's made all the wrong decisions. He doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. He's going back to Ethiopia shamed. And then he hears about Jesus. And then he hears the promise of Jesus. Then he understands why Jesus came, that he has a real savior, not an idea of a savior, not a religion called a savior, called Jesus, called Christianity, a real living savior. And when he tastes that grace that sees him right where he is, he says, what now prevents me? Let me translate that. What walls are there now? What's in the way now? What stops me now from you? And God's answer is nothing. Nothing, nothing stands in the way. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, this is not just for an Ethiopian eunuch. It's for us. What stands in the way? Nothing in Christ, nothing. When you get that, the only response is the response that the Ethiopian eunuch had, which is joy. Joy, it says, he went away joyful. But what happened to him from that point? What does history tell us? The Bible doesn't tell us anything about the eunuch. But history tells us that there was a lot of fruit in Africa, which is where he was going. Two guys, just to point out, Tertullian, Tertullian, second century northern Africa, Carthage, Known as the father of Latin Christianity. We don't have the church today and our understanding today without this guy, fruit of the Ethiopian eunuch. What about this guy? You ever heard of him before? Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, writes the foundational uh, doctrinal work for our understanding of the Trinity fights against heresies, is a prolific author, talks about what the mission of Christ is with the city of God. We, so much of the church today, so much of us and our understanding, what comes out of my mouth because of studying his books is rooted back in Philip's willingness to walk by faith. Go that way, Philip. Okay. Get in that chariot, Philip. Okay. And the Ethiopian eunuch being transformed, truly transformed, by Jesus, and then going to be Philip for lots of others in Africa. If that's the joy of the Lord and that fruit, the question for us to wrestle with this morning, friends, is do we know that joy? Maybe the first question to ask is, are we going after the wrong activator? Joy is a great litmus test. If you're angry, if you're bored, If you're disinterested, can I encourage you? You've not made slime yet. You're not a new creation yet. What you are is a critical onlooker that says, this needs to look more like me. And Jesus says to you again and again, I've made you to look like me. You won't be less you. You'll be more you than you've ever been. By just placing your faith in me. When you do, when you experience grace like that, friends, and acceptance like that, and love that truly transforms from the inside out, no one will be able to stop you from sharing your joy. And there will be generations upon generations upon generations of people that can trace their lineage back to you. How do I know that's true? because you're sitting here. You're sitting here because of Philip, because of an Ethiopian eunuch that we don't know his name, but we do know his name, don't we? I will give them a new name, an everlasting one, Christian, follower of Christ, little Jesus, little Christ. We know his name. It's the one we share, and it's the only one that can actually set us free. Where are you this morning, friends? You weren't expecting this, were you? I wasn't either. Until about the middle of the week. And I was like, oh no, this is what you want me to talk about? Yeah, this is what I want you to talk about. I said, okay, Lord, wherever you want to take me. Do you know how much sleep I got last night? Not much. You know why? Because God had me up full of his love for you, fighting for you because he wants you to know that it's love that has brought you here today and it is love that sends you from this place and it's love that sets you free from those lies. It is not judgment. It is not criticism. It is not shame. Those are the weapons of the enemy. Love is who brought you here today. He wants to heal you from the inside out if you'll only let him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are in your presence today in a way that maybe none of us expected, but we know we needed. And I thank you that we can talk about really hard things together in a way that gives you honor, And I pray, Lord God, that you would indeed be honored by how we continue these conversations and love the ones with whom we're having them. Jesus, thank you that you are the true activator. You're the one who sets our hearts free. You're the one who transforms us from the inside out. You're the one who sees that ache and pain and who's promised to come all the way in and bring healing, not through our sacrifice but through yours. (laughs) What a lie and a trap. The enemy of our souls continues to convince us to believe that the only way forward for us is to mutilate our bodies and our souls and our friendships and our loved ones because that's what it means to love me. To hell with that lie in Jesus' name. What truth you have set us free to engage and and begin to, to step out one step at a time into. What truth that the maker of our bodies and this world and the lover of our souls has laid down his life to unite himself to us from the inside out thank you Jesus thank you Jesus please keep going Lord transform us Lord Show us those activators that are lies and traps, set us free this day. Move mountains, Lord God. Move mountains. Be glorified in our midst. Jesus sees you. He sees you. There are some of you in here right now who know the abuse about which I spoke earlier. And it cut you deeply to hear that out loud. Jesus sees you and he loves you, and you were not alone. He wants to heal you today. Let him in, bring him in. Lord Jesus, tenderly step in. There are some of you here today that are angry. That we would dare talk about this because you've seen your friends get hurt, or you yourself have gotten hurt. And Jesus wants to remind you that He is not the one who has hurt you. But He is your healer. He is your hope. He is your future. Don't push away from the only one who can actually change you. we choose trust today we need your fatherly tenderness to to draw near and to minister to broken hearts to set captives free to give us hope and direction for our friends and family Jesus be glorified in this place thank you for how you love us you don't stop You don't stop. And I am so glad you didn't. And you don't. Please keep going, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.